Gone is a podcast about people who have gone missing from the United States and Canada. These people are daughters, sons, sisters, and aunties. They didn't just disappear. Someone, somewhere, knows something. I'm Katie Nordby. And I'm Janelle Feller. These are the stories of Marilyn, Nikki, McCowan, and Krista Seifer. Marilyn Nikki McCown was born on January 6, 1973, in Richmond, Indiana. She was the youngest of 10 children. She had a daughter at age 19, and while her and the father broke up, they had shared time with their daughter. Nikki worked at the Montgomery Education and Pre-Release Center in Dayton, Ohio, which was about an hour drive from her home in Richmond. She worked as a guard and then as an accountant. She was going to school for criminal justice, and her dream was to become either a U.S. Marshal or an FBI agent. Nikki disappeared on July 22, 2001, just three weeks before her wedding. Nikki was 28 years old at the time. It was a seemingly normal day. It was Sunday and her and Bobby went to church and then ran some errands. When they returned home, Bobby then went to a tux fitting at the mall and Nikki dropped her then nine-year-old daughter off at her parents' house before going to do laundry at the laundromat. Nikki returned to her parents' house and told them that there was a group of guys harassing her. Her parents told her she could finish her laundry at their house, so she decided to go back and finish it at the laundromat. Surveillance cameras there showed Nikki loading her vehicle with laundry, and she didn't seem to be in distress. When Nikki hadn't returned home by 6 p.m., Bobby called her sisters. They hadn't seen her since she stopped at their parents' house earlier. Her parents said she didn't pick up her daughter when she said that she would, but they weren't too concerned at that point. They figured she probably stopped in at work, which she was known to do. By 10 p.m., no one had heard from her, so they drove the highway to Dayton, Ohio, thinking maybe she was in an accident. They also called hospitals looking for her, but they found nothing. The next day, July 23, 2001, they went to the police to report her missing. Police weren't too concerned because, after all, she was an adult. Her family searched her and Bobby's apartment and found that she had left her purse and ID there when she went to the laundromat. When she didn't show up for her next shift at work, investigators got involved since this was not like her to miss work. Something must have happened. Now Nikki had a secret that only her sister knew. She was in some sort of a relationship with a man named Tommy Swint. Nikki and Tommy met when they were working together at the Montgomery Education and Pre-Release Center. It didn't specifically say that they were in a romantic relationship, but for some reason it was a secret. Nikki had told her sister, Michelle, that Tommy was like a big brother to her, but her sister said that there were times their relationship went beyond just being friends. Michelle said the day she went missing that Nikki had frantically tried to call her. She said there was something going on that Nikki wanted to tell someone. We don't know what though. Investigators checked hotels and residences near the laundromat but found no sign of Nikki. They also brought in a helicopter in the hopes of locating her 1990 GMC Jimmy, which was also missing, but they found nothing. Her fiancé, Bobby Webster, was one of the first persons of interest in the case. He started behaving a little strange. The day after she went missing, Bobby called the community college that Nikki was attending and tried to get her unused tuition money back. He became irate when they told him he couldn't do that because her employer was paying for it. 
He then tried to return their wedding rings, but he couldn't because they were in Nikki's name. He also canceled their wedding venue to get the deposit back. This obviously looked suspicious, but Bobby said that he was doing it to raise money to help look for Nikki. He wanted to purchase a cell phone and then use the rest to offer a reward. Bobby was brought in for a polygraph test, which showed signs of deception, but at that point there was no evidence of a crime being committed or anything linking him to Nikki's disappearance, so they couldn't proceed. As time went on, it was publicly announced that Bobby was not a person of interest, and another suspect had come to light. On November 3rd, 2001, Nikki's vehicle was found in the parking lot of the Meadows Catalpa apartment complex in Dayton, Ohio. So you said that, that the vehicle was found in November and she went missing in July? Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a long time. That is a long time. Nikki worked in Dayton, and the father of her daughter lived in that apartment complex. He was also brought in for a polygraph test, which he passed. He also cooperated with police, and they believe her vehicle being there was just a coincidence. When investigators searched the vehicle, they found her folded laundry still in the back and no sign of a struggle or a break-in. They now focused their attention on Tommy Swint. Swint lived a quarter of a mile away from the apartment complex where Nikki's car was found. He was also in a relationship with someone that lived there. Nikki had experienced some sort of violence at the hand of Swint, although it didn't go into detail as to what that was. Not much happens in this case that's made public anyway until 2007, when Swint is sworn in as an officer in Trotwood that July. Six weeks later, he resigned after the Richmond Police Department informed Trotwood that Swint was a suspect in Nikki's disappearance. In November 2007, a confidential informant told Dayton, Ohio Police they should look into Swint as a suspect in the 1991 murder of Tina Marie Ivory. Ivory was a known drug user and a prostitute. She was found wrapped in a quilt with a bag over her head and over her legs. A little history on Tommy Swint. He joined the Marine Corps in 1986 and was stationed in Panama and Japan. He later admitted to having sex with prostitutes in both countries. In December 1989, he went AWOL and fled back to Dayton. He was arrested and was returned to Camp Lejeune, North Carolina in 1990. He was later discharged under other than honorable conditions. He then moved back to Dayton, where he pursued jobs in law enforcement for years after. Fast forward to when they get this tip about Tina Ivory. Dayton cold case detectives interviewed Swint's family and friends. In 2008, a former girlfriend stated he dated Ivory. She also said the blanket that Ivory's body was wrapped in looked similar to the one that Swint carried in his car. Her nephew, who lived with her when she was dating Swint, told police in 2009 that he remembered seeing a blood trail from the basement window through the grass to Swint's car. He also mentioned a blanket missing from his bed in the basement. When shown a picture of the blanket that Ivory's body was wrapped in, the nephew said it was very similar. Investigators had been analyzing DNA found on Tina Ivory's body, but hadn't found a match. Until 2009 when the Richmond PD shared a sample they had taken from Swint. In May, the lab matched Swint's DNA to the semen found on the back of Ivory's jacket. Swint also could not be excluded as a source of a blood stain on the quilt she was wrapped in. In October 2009, detectives visited Swint at the home he shared with his wife. He, of course, denied knowing Ivory. They also had a partial fingerprint on the adhesive side of the tape that had been wrapped around Ivory's body and were working on finding a match. 
On November 25th, the lab matched Swint's left middle finger to the print on the tape. By December, a three-prosecutor panel was reviewing the evidence. On February 1st and 2nd, 2010, they presented evidence to the grand jury, who then indicted Swint just before noon on February 3rd. An hour later, Swint shot himself in the head as officers approached his home. Investigators still believe Swint had something to do with Nikki's disappearance. This case is still active and open. At the time of her disappearance, Nikki was 28 years old. She is African-American, 5'2", and 115 pounds. She has light brown hair and brown eyes. She has a small scar above her left eye, a scar on the right side of her face, and one on the top of her head. She also has a scar on her left lower leg. If you have any information about Marilyn, Nikki, McCown, please call the Richmond Police Department at 765-983-7247. That's frustrating because you have more information about Swint than you do about her. Yeah. And there were, you know, there's a lot more information in this case. Mm -hmm. um, I could have gone on for, for a lot longer about just tiny details that are obviously important. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of it does have to do with him. Yeah. And that's not really what this is about. But I think that a lot of the information about him that I've shared is important because it shows the correlation between what he's capable of doing mm -hmm. and what he may have done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, it sounded like she was just beginning to start her life. Yeah. Uh, getting married and uh, to her high school sweetheart and on her way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then runs into a unsavory character. Yeah. Who wanted to be in law enforcement. Right. That's that field of work is often an attractant to people who have ill intent. Yeah. Well, it gives you it gives you a little bit of power and also. Right. And right. access. And access. Yeah. Which um which is probably power too, but yeah. a little bit of power and a little bit of access. Yeah. Actually a lot of power. Right. And a lot of access. Yeah. When you really think about it. Uh so, but but the fiance was, he was found not to be of concern. His behavior was odd uh, after um, she went missing, but I, I don't know how I would behave if my husband went missing. I'd probably act like a crazy nut. Yeah, I don't, I mean, it looks a little suspicious, but when you find out his reasoning, mm -hmm. you know, it, it, it kind of makes sense. Right, right. Just scrambling, yeah. trying to find... Well, and you think, I mean, he tried to return the wedding rings when that might look really weird, but are wedding rings more important than trying to find your fiancé? Yeah. Get rid of the wedding rings if it means, you know, I have a little bit extra more money to, to help with the search in any, right. any possible way. And you're in your early 20s. Yep. And there's not, we don't have a lot of money lying around. Right. Just for, just for, I mean, something like this. Yeah. If you want to get a... a, a create an a reward or anything like that. Yeah. That, um, and this was in early 2000s, so maybe, I mean, a lot of people didn't have cell phones at that time. Sure. And so he wanted to buy a cell phone, and at that time, they were it was expensive yep. to buy one. Yeah. You know, it was a hardship. Right. For some people. Um, but there, there it, it didn't seem, at least from what you were saying, that there was any concern that, that she may have been harassed at the laundromat, but it doesn't seem as if much came from that. Um, no, they found no correlation between what she had said to her parents to 
those people who are potentially harassing her yeah. and having her anything to do with them. Yeah. Um, is it strange that her vehicle was in was found in that parking lot so many months later? I mean, it wasn't. It was five, four or five months later. Yeah. Well, and I think I don't know what the apartment building looks like. I know that her ex-boyfriend, the father of her child, lived there. Mm-hmm. But if it was a big complex, I mean, there's probably several parking lots. Sure. So, sure. you know, you might not see it just when you're going out to your own car. Sure. Um, but what's significant is that um, Swint was in a relationship with somebody in that building, in the, in the, com- in the complex. Yeah. Um, and that's where her vehicle was found. Hmm. So... And that nothing, you know, the laundry wasn't tipped over. Nope. It wasn't, didn't show that she had been driving erratically or nope. it, it seemed calm inside of yep. the car. That nothing was out of the ordinary as far as the time that she was in the car. Right. Yeah. Very interesting. And then um, Swint gets charged with um, killing Ivory. Yep. And then he kills himself. Right. And so now we'll, we'll never know, know if he was the one who did something to, to Nikki. Or where Nikki's body is. Right. If she's not alive. Mm-hmm. So it just remains an open wound. Yeah. It's very frustrating. It it um it it makes him look guilty and um um and leaves these unanswered questions for her parents, her fiance, her daughter. Yeah. And um, all just unanswered and just waiting. Yep. It's unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Katie. Krista Marie Cipher lived in Plover, Wisconsin. She was 44 years old, married, and the mother of three children. She worked as an education assistant at McDill Elementary School. March 13, 2017 was the last time that anyone reported seeing Krista. Krista and Jason were married in 2007, and they had two girls together. Krista has an older son from a previous marriage. On March 13, Krista woke up at 6 a.m. She had broken her ankle three months previous, and had just started walking without her boot. She snuggled on the couch with the younger of her two daughters. At 7.20, Jason took their older daughter to school. Jason returned, and then he and Krista took the youngest daughter to school before going to the Suntan City Salon at 9.13 a.m. At 9.37, Krista sent her last known text. Jason and Krista left the tanning salon a few minutes later and were seen in the car by Krista's sister. The GPS on Krista's car reports that her car remained at home from 10 a.m. to 2.46 p.m. on March 13th. However, Jason reported that he saw her leave in her car at 11.30 a.m. Jason said that Krista returned home at 1.30 and laid down for a nap under the covers in their bed at 2.30. At 2.46, Jason went to pick up the older daughter from school. On the way to the school, the GPS in his car indicates that he stopped at a gas station near their home. At that gas station, the police reported that they found Krista's smashed iPhone 7 in a bag in the garbage. The phone did not have any fingerprints on it, but the bag did. They were Jason's. After this, he took both daughters to the Stevens Point home of Krista's parents, the Kellermans. He later returned to take his older daughter to gymnastics class. The younger daughter wanted to see her mom, but Jason said no. Jason then went to Menards and purchased a box of 39-gallon garbage bags. During the investigation, he never told the police about this errand, but video surveillance and store receipts verify the purchase, um, though the bags were never found. 
Between 7 and 7.30 p.m., Jason picked up his daughters and brought them back to their home on Hoffman Drive. The house was dark and Krista was not home. Investigators used GPS records from Jason's vehicle and found that in the days after Krista went missing, he drove past the dumpsters at the Portage County Solid Waste Transfer Site and made a U-turn. The employees from the Waste Management Agency that collected trash in the Cypher neighborhood claimed that their garbage on March 13th weighed between 80 and 90 pounds. The limit was 60. Police were not able to locate the Cypher's garbage container. They also found Krista's earrings and bracelet with the word mom in the garbage at the couple's home. As a mom, you just would not throw away jewelry that either your children gave to you or that said that you were a mom. You just wouldn't. Not ever. Not ever. I bet you have every single piece of jewelry that your son ever made. Every single. Macaroni. um, (laughs) Foam beads. Exactly. Yeah. Because you wouldn't throw it away. You just wouldn't. When Krista's friends called asking about her, Jason told them that she had run off with her boyfriend. Jason did not report Krista missing for seven days. He went to the police station with his father-in-law and his daughters. Both Jason and Krista had affairs during their marriage. A year after they were married, Jason started, started an affair with a woman in Illinois. They moved in together about a month after they started dating. About five months into the relationship, Jason told her that, they, that he was still married. Jason was controlling and, possess- and possessive in the Illinois relationship. He didn't want her getting a job or hanging out with other men. At one point, they got into a fight, and he smashed her phone when she tried to call 911. He only took her home once her daughter became upset. Their relationship lasted for two years. When the Illinois woman ended the relationship, he raped her after she refused to have sex with him. He told her to never tell anyone what he had done because he knew places to hide a body where no one would ever find them. Krista was also unfaithful. She had an affair with Corey Kitowski. Corey reported that Krista spoke of physical abuse that she suffered from Jason. She also told him that if she ever went missing, to investigate Jason because she would be buried in a swamp or a pipeline somewhere. In December 2016, Krista called 911 and hung up. The next day, she texted her friend, Amber Hofferman, photographs of the bruises that she said Jason had given to her. Law enforcement verified that there had been a 911 call, but they didn't find out about it until after Krista's disappearance. So when you call 911 and you hang up, I mean, even if it's accidental, they call you back. Yes, they do. So I wonder why they didn't... Well, it seems as if there was a call that came in almost immediately of a, of an assault. and Okay, so it just kind of it got missed somehow. Well, I think that, or it was assumed that it was that same call, oh, but it, sure. it came kind of right back on the heels of each other, and they didn't realize that it was two separate, two separate calls. I'm not really exactly sure, but it is unusual, mm-hmm. and they didn't realize it until they went back and looked at their records that there had actually been a call, because they do usually call back. Yeah. In, the, in that same month, December 2016, Krista broke her ankle. She was in a boot until the day before she disappeared. Jason and Krista tried to save the marriage by attending marriage counseling together in February of 2017. Krista asked to spend a few days apart to reduce the tension between herself and Jason, but Jason adamantly refused. That was their last counseling appointment. A cadaver dog was brought in to search the Cypher home on March 31st. 
the dog found several locations that contained the scent of decomposing human remains in the Cypher home and Jason's pickup. The young Cypher girls told law enforcement after Krista's disappearance that they had once woke up to their mother yelling, call 911. One of the girls heard her dad smash Krista's phone with a hammer and then run water over it. Krista then attacked Jason with a knife, which he grabbed and threw away. The girls called their grandparents and stayed with them that night. During a family vacation, Krista and Jason got into a fight. Jason tackled Krista, and the children heard Krista yell that he had hurt her ankle. None of these incidents were known by law enforcement. Uh, they weren't reported until after Krista's disappearance. Which is very common to not report yeah. domestic violence incidents. Yeah, and it doesn't seem important enough. Um, they may have been someplace else. Um, it's, I think it's very common. Well, and if you're in a domestic violent relationship, this is your norm. And so to be in a fight even or physical altercation, it's just another day. And you're just kind of used to it. Yeah. And so why report this one? Right. When um, there's no long-lasting, you know, effects um, that, sh that she knows of. Yeah. I think it is very common. Yeah. And the challenge is, is that then to everybody outside, it doesn't appear. It, it, appears, it appears to be a healthy relationship when actually you never know what's going on behind somebody else's doors. Jason found out about Corey Kutowski in early March of 2017. He called and talked to him. A couple of days later, Krista called her father, Richard Kellerman, and asked for $1,500 to get a divorce from Jason. Kellerman told her that he had paid for her first divorce and he would not pay for the second. After Krista went missing, Corey spoke with Jason for about an hour. He had called asking, asking where she was at. Jason told him that Krista had run off with $30,000 that he had been secretly saving for a new pickup. Okay, wait. He was saving money for a new pickup and cadaver dogs smelt decomposing human remains in his current pickup? Yes, uh, this would have been, this would have been, so this would have been, um, the cadaver dogs showed up afterwards. Oh, okay. Uh, the cadaver dogs showed up, uh, I think, a little bit afterwards, because okay. that was, um, that was in... So he was apparently already saving up for this truck. That's what he said. Sure. But he couldn't, he couldn't show the money. Um, uh, he, he said that basically that she took the money and ran. Well, it just, it seems like a very good time to get a new truck, I guess. Well, <laughs> it it probably would be too. Um, police investigated the couple's finances and found that Jason had taken several withdrawals totaling $40,000 from their account in 2017. So this is only March. Sure. Um, but police couldn't find where that money went. Jason was arrested on August 24, 2018. He went to trial on October 14th. Krista's mother testified that she believes that her daughter is still alive, living in Florida somewhere. She claims that she's seen a video of Krista near the gymnastics tournament that, that her granddaughter had attended. In a report by the Charlie Project, they report that according to Krista's family, Krista suffered from an undiagnosed mental illness. Can I just say that I think that um, that's very common. So um, she's crazy. Well, right. Look at her. She's nuts. Right. That is a, that is a claim of somebody having an undiagnosed mental illness. Well, and that's so common for abusers to use as a way to control, to, to manipulate, right. 
to turn the tables on law, uh, on this person to law enforcement. To maybe uh, turn people against um, the victim. Yeah. Uh, I think there's lots of reasons, but well, and what's undiagnosed? Well, <laughs> that's what th- this really stood out to me. How can I, you have a mental? How can you say that you have a mental illness if you're un- not diagnosed with it? Undiagnosed mental illness. That to me is just somebody saying she's crazy, right? Um, or she's nuts. Yeah. That is, uh, there's no, there's no, there's no necessarily any basis for that. Um, it's just. It's what he has led people to believe in what he has told people about her. Well, that's what it feels like. And yeah. I, I, I was I was, a, I was, a little surprised and disappointed that that was reported in, in, uh, by the Charlie Project because I, I think that you can say that about anybody. Well, you can. And I can see that being an, in, I can see it being an important piece of information if she had been diagnosed with depression, if she had been diagnosed with bipolar, if she was suicidal right because that is important because that could be a reason why you're not around that could be a reason why you went missing mm-hmm. um but that's whether a diagnosed mental illness right it's that's a diagnosed. diagnosed it's the it's the it's basically someone just saying that she's crazy and uh so i i was a little frustrated with that but yeah that actually, information is not pertinent I, I i didn't feel it but i felt like i needed to report it and it kind of ties in with some things that happen a little bit later on because Chris's father asked for leniency for his son-in-law. What? Yep. Mr. Kellerman told jurors that Krista was a chronic liar and she cheated on her husband. I wonder if he also mentioned that the husband cheated on her. I don't, I, it doesn't, there was no indication that he said that. But, and, but he supported Jason throughout the investigation and the trial. And he even admitted to tying, uh, to tying Jason's tie every day before trial. It's very upsetting. Well, and I can understand being supportive if you really cared for your um, son-in-law, you know, believing he couldn't, he just could not have done this because, you know, he's just such a great guy and whatever. But once you're at trial, I mean, there's obviously enough for prosecutors to charge you or to try you to then still support him and tie his tie. Well, and, and just sitting through the trial, there are many times where... Where and I, I mean, there's a lot of details in this, and I, I, I don't bring every one, uh, one of them up, but there's several times where Jason lied about where he was at, and the GPS on his vehicle um, told the truth, and it was different than what he had said to law enforcement. Yeah. So he lied. He well, also admitted to cheating uh, on his wife, but the father. I, it's just, it's just interesting. It's upsetting because you would think that even if you believed him up until then because he was this wonderful man. Right. Um, you would hear things at trial that you wouldn't have known necessarily outside of that. Right. You would have known private information that you wouldn't have been told necessarily. Right. And you would think that maybe not sway you necessarily, but you wouldn't stand behind him. You wouldn't tie his damn yeah. tie That's every just... day before trial. Because the, the girlfriend from Illinois is is investigated and, and, and um, reports... Um, the there's there's other things that happen that uh, in which in which people um, report his behavior. It's just what seems very difficult. Yeah. That, but uh, Richard Kellerman also believes that his daughter is alive somewhere in Florida. Sure. That she ran away. Which, if she did, great. That's wonderful because then that means that she's still alive. 
It, it well, and it would be great, but except for that, like the the day before, she um, she made an appointment to with a with a gym to um, work on increasing mobility in her ankle that she had broken. That she had made an appointment to uh, begin some physical therapy. You don't do that if you're planning on running away. Right. You don't make future you, plans. You take your car. Uh, you would right. take money. Well, yeah, you uh, need your car, I guess. Yeah. You would. You would certainly, um, and you wouldn't have thrown your jewelry away in the garbage. No. Or, I mean, Jason has a history of smashing and breaking um, cell phones. Um, but if you were running away, you'd want to have your cell phone. Yeah. So that you could talk to your kids. But the part that's even more upsetting to me is that Krista's two young daughters now live with the Kellermans. A jury of of seven men and five women found Jason Seifert guilty of murdering his wife and hiding her body. He was sentenced to life in prison. He will not be eligible for parole for 30 years. Today, Krista Seifert would be 47 years old. She is Caucasian, five foot three, and weighs 135 pounds. She has blonde hair and green eyes. If you know any information about the disappearance of Krista Seifer, contact Detective Michael Tracy with the Plover Police Department at 715-345-5255. The fact that he was found guilty without a body is pretty amazing. I think the fact that he went to trial yeah. without a body is amazing, much right. less being found guilty and sentenced to life in prison. Yeah. Well, and it's all these little tidbits of information that they piece together to show something's not right here. And it's it I, I think that it comes down to good police work. Yeah. Um uh and third party information that like the GPS record of yeah. her vehicle, his vehicle, uh they they spent five days in June digging through the Cranberry Creek um uh transfer station. Uh, it, for, for Plover, for the, the city of Plover, and um, looking for evidence. This would have been, you know, this incident happened in March. This is all these months later. It's June in Wisconsin. Yeah. It would not have been a pleasant job. No. But because there's so much time that had passed, the refuse would have gotten, was so big, and the, right. and the plane, the, where it could have been would have been hard to find yeah um and it was they didn't find they didn't find anything of significance but it would have been difficult to do but that's i mean that's the kind of investigative work that they did yeah they um the detective actually it wasn't until uh jason reported about a week after jason reported that his wife was missing that the detective realized that this is this is this is a homicide case, right? Because the things that Jason said and the way that the GPS indicated where he had traveled, they weren't lining up. Yeah. And so he realized, and so he checked. He went and and I think my memory is is that he went and and pulled things out of the uh, garbage truck that was in that neighborhood, and found that her clothing had been thrown away. That that. Uh, some of her personal items had been thrown away, and 
I mean, it, it comes down to some good detective work, I think. Yeah, well, and, and her phone also. I mean, if you were upset with your spouse mm-hmm. and you broke their phone, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. But you're upset with your spouse, you broke their phone, and then you drove it to a gas station and threw it away. In a bag. In a, It just doesn't make sense. Right. If you broke their phone, you just throw it away right. at your home. Right. If there was not, If there was nothing to hide, it just seems seems odd. Yeah. And um, if she just ran away... She wouldn't have broke her own phone. No. She wouldn't have, um, she would have ran away when he wasn't there. Right. And there's a odd time frame between um, that day and the girls coming home from school and just some strange things. But those, those little girls at the time were, you know, Jason and, and Krista had been married only about 10 years. And those girls were little. They're, yeah. they're little still. Yeah. Um, and there is an there is an older son, but they're all they're all without their mother, and without their father. At and least, at least there's a little bit of justice in this case that he is in prison. Yes, it doesn't answer any questions, but there's just a little piece of justice. Yeah, and it's I think it is really unusual that not only that it went to trial, but that he was charged and uh, received such a sentence because. You know, at the trial, the father-in-law, the mother-in-law were sitting on Jason's side yeah. in support of him. And that would have an impact. Uh, yeah, it would. That would have an impact. Um, but just because, and this really was because uh, he didn't want to split his assets uh, by getting a divorce, didn't want to pay child support, and didn't want to share custody of his daughters. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Yeah. Um, and I think that is a very common reason for abusive husbands to kill their wives. Abusive husbands to kill their wives. Yeah. Is because they don't want to share their assets or their children or their resources. Yeah. And it's it's such a shame because it leaves children basically orphans yeah and um it's so selfish and i it's easy to get married it's easy to get divorced there's these things are just they just they happen all the time but in some cases it just is taken to a deadly takes a deadly course we ask that you do not reach out to the families or post names of possible suspects on social media missing person photos along with information and articles used for these cases can be found on our website at gone-podcast.com. So, for this week's weekly distraction, I have I have found my own things to well I don't wow. know if I cre- <laughs> very funny <laughs> I, I wouldn't even say that I would say the things I have aren't going to crack you up uh, now they sure don't look as much as funny as they were when I first saw them but so I have some weird facts okay I like facts and uh, these are not verified uh, they're not vetted they might be true they might not be true those are the best kind <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so Human birth control pills 
pork on gorillas. Interesting. Why anybody would need to know that? I and how unless you, you were a gorilla, out, I suppose. But, but. Uh, uh, some others might be able to say that this is true or not. But there are no clocks in Las Vegas gambling casinos. I think that that's true. But I wonder, are there clocks in other casinos? Probably not. I don't think so. They don't want you to know how long you've been there. Uh, beetles taste like apples. <gasps> what? What kind of beetles? Why did I ask that question? Actually? <laughs> <laughs> the green beetles. So I, I didn't. I was thinking the beetles, the musicians, but oh, I was. But I don't well, know. That's a whole I don't other. That's a whole. I, people yeah. really don't like it when you bite them. No, much. Um, so beetles taste like apples, wasps like pine nuts, and worms like fried bacon. I feel like this is objective. This is this, not true. There's no way. I don't care. I, I mean, I don't eat not a worm that you pull out of the ground. You eat that. It is not going to taste like fried bacon because we'd be eating all the worms all the time. Yeah, I just. I, that's not right. No, that's not I feel true. like that's objective. And what tastes like an apple to you might taste like dirt to me. I don't. I or, just don't. Or who's been eating freaking wasps? How do we know this information? I, I think this is all lies. 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 Uh, what is called a French kiss in the English-speaking language is known as an English kiss in France. Wait. What? That's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe you. Months, it is. Months that begin with on a Sunday will always have a Friday the 13th. Like oh. tomorrow. Our months began on a Sunday? I have no idea. <gasps> they did. But there is a Friday the 13th. Oh. Are you easily spooked by that stuff? No. No, neither. The placement of a donkey's eyes in its head enables it to see all four feet at all times. What? Why is that useful? <laughs> no. I can see. So I also know that you can see your nose at all times, but your brain kind of at ignores all times. It. Yeah, ignores it. Your brain ignores it. So... Because what? what? Yeah. Just, that's not helpful. No, no. I don't need to see my feet. I, I don't need all four all of them four. all the time. I'm not. I already have enough trouble. <laughs> just looking and watching, keeping track of two. Some worms will eat themselves if they can't find any food. Oh. I don't think that's give the worm some food. I don't think that's true. That's upsetting. That's not true. I am not a worm advocate, but. That's just not okay. Well, if we've got any worm fanatics, they should they should find out. Feed if that's the worms. True. Feed the worms. Feed the worms. <laughs> and then eat them because they taste like fried bacon. <clears throat> oh. So dolphins sleep with one eye open. I would too. Those dolphins. Yeah. Cause I don't know why. Never mind. That didn't make sense. You know what? It, it would be because you know, in the ocean. Well, yeah. It doesn't. You don't hear the Jaws music. <laughs> How do we know? Well, I've heard it on good account. It is impossible to sneeze with your eyes open. I believe that. that. It, it don't your eyes will pop out of your head. They will, Janelle. <laughs> <laughs> really unfortunate. That would ruin my day. You could get time off of work from that, I oh. bet. In France, it is legal to marry a dead person. What? Why? That's just... France, come on. Come on, France. Get it together. Russia has a larger surface area than Pluto. The dog? <laughs> Sorry. The planet, the formerly known as Pluto. <laughs> yeah, how old are these facts? Yeah. 
facts. Yeah. These are just opinions. Which is, I have a, I have an issue with that poodle what? thing in, in general. But that's a story for another day. <laughs> you opposed to the... Well, it was a planet when I grew up. It's and still there. And it's still there. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that on another okay. day. And raisins. And raisins. Uh, there's an opera house on the U.S.-Canadian border where the stage is in one country and half of the audience is in another. Oh, do they need a passport to attend? Why? Where is that? If that was true, they would tell us the name. I don't know. Badet? <laughs> the opera house in Badet? Well, I'm just saying that if that we was true... We are also not the only state that's on the Canadian border. <laughs> we're not? <laughs> really? I, I'm just saying that if that were true, they would probably give us the... You would think. Of the opera house. You would think. Again, this is all a little sketchy. Well. The harder you concentrate on falling asleep, the less likely you are to fall asleep. That makes sense. Um, you can't hum while holding your nose closed. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> you run out of air. You run out of air. <laughs> I yeah, did we tried it. We tried it. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work. You look ridiculous. <laughs> um, women have twice as many pain receptors on their body than men. Duh. But a much higher pain tolerance. Duh. <laughs> there are more stars in space than there are grains of sand on every beach in the world. What? what? <laughs> <laughs> we can't say the same things at the same time. Who's counting these Interesting. things? Interesting. For every human on Earth, there are 1.6 million ants. Point there, six. There would be jerks. <laughs> the total weight of all those ants, however, is about the same as all humans. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> this is not true, and I, nobody knows this, and I don't know why they say this. But on Jupiter and Saturn, it rains diamonds. Oh. Prove I bet it. it does. Prove it. I bet it does. It's a, somebody's making that up. Okay, Katie, well, why what would do you they? Of course they wouldn't. Okay. What do you have? So I have, um, again, some more tweets on Twitter. Um, these ones are awkward moments, which I relate to because like, I am awkward. That would be my autobiography. <laughs> <laughs> okay. After flunking a job interview, got up, shook everyone's hand, and walked into a coat closet. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Damn it. I'm good. Walk. I'm fine. I'm just taking a break. I just stay in there. <laughs> Everybody else will be looking around like, like what the hell? And hope they all leave. Because <laughs> I'd be in the coat closet. Yes. I'd be either crying or so giggling because I just flunked. I would the be dying, <laughs> dying of embarrassment. Okay. <laughs> I can hear the, I can hear the hangers <laughs> clunking around. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> so funny. Just try to coat on in TJ Maxx. It was the coat of a customer trying on another coat. <laughs> oh! I could never leave the house again. Yeah. Where did you get this? I love it. It fits I, perfect. It's perfect. so perfect. <laughs> and you can see how that would happen. Oh, absolutely. Because you're laying stuff on the Yeah, on you the just hang racks. stuff up. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. When I was in fifth grade, a boy liked me, but I thought he was annoying. So on the playground, he tried to ask me, 
but his, he, sorry, he tried to ask me to be his girlfriend, and I said no. And I had to think of an excuse, so I started hugging a tree and told him the tree was my boyfriend. Then later I saw him kicking the tree, and I felt kind of bad. <laughs> went to place her order at a drive-thru. She then heard, could you please drive up to the speaker? You're talking to the trash can. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Yeah. And you know what? They have to say it loud enough so that every damn person will have to hear that. What? The other day, I I was going to Hardee's, and I just skipped the where you tell them. Oh, you just went right right up to the front. (laughs) I want service, and I want it now. But I, I was That's just one way to do it. giggling at myself because I have no idea. I'm not usually a rebel like that. You probably aren't the first person to do it. <laughs> You're the first person to admit it, though, I bet. Uh, on the air. Right, probably. Just bumped into a mannequin and said, oh, sorry. Then <laughs> said, oh, I thought you were a person. Then realized I was still talking to a mannequin. <laughs> Somebody watching me uh, when I go shopping. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh I told someone at a party, that dirty old man is trying to hit on you. She said, actually, he's my fiance. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, walk into the coat closet. <laughs> and stay Seriously. <laughs> Got into the passenger seat of a wrong car outside of Starbucks. The driver waited until I finished my phone call to tell me. <laughs> he was from Canada, I bet. <laughs> really nice. Super really nice. nice. However, you know, it could be a Uber. It could have been. Didn't sound like it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, At a nanny job interview, told job involved light housekeeping. Replied, I've never kept a lighthouse before, but I'm willing to try. (laughs) (laughs) You know, keeping the lighthouse clean. Right, right, right. I suppose, you know, it's not a job. It's not not something that most people would do. Lots of stairs in a lighthouse, I would say. Pregnant cashier, have a great day. Me, thanks, have a great baby. (laughs) On a trip, saw some baby horses, could not think of the word foal. Finally shouted, horse kittens, and pointed. Wife understood. See, that's why you marry somebody. Because they just get it. They get it. They they get your sense of humor. And um, Or you work with people long enough and they, they, you don't have to even say it. They get it, yeah. (laughs) When I was seven, I had a crush on a girl in my class. And didn't know how to deal with it. So I wrote her a letter and just said, get out of my school. <laughs> get out of my school. Just go. It's mean. You know, young love. I know. Really it's confusing. It, especially when you hug a tree or told it, get out of my school. Get out of here. <laughs> Singing in the shower. Guess I was feeling extra patriotic with the national anthem. The neighbors saluted me for a week. <laughs> I took a call at work and tried to transfer it. I was the only person there. I pretended to be someone with a British accent. (laughs) Hello. Governor. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you get, it's a little bit of pressure. It is pressure. We have a small office. We have a small office and, and we do all jobs if we have to. Yeah. So I can understand that. You're kind of going, and then you get, I mean, I only know very few British wor- words to say in a British <laughs> accent. Like, hello, governor. 
I don't know. Oh, I know. That's it. That's it. That's yeah, all the, the that's words all. that that's a British accent. That's it. Not 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 my best one. <laughs> the only thing is is that that's what comes up when you when you're pressured. Yes. And the phone rings yeah, when, you're, when you're nervous. <laughs> exactly. Oh my God, that was That great. is all I have for this week. Well, that's great. Well, we'll have to do it again next week.